All right. It is the new year. That was it. It's not, you know, we're a couple days into the new year, so, you know, we're halfway through. Um, how many of you guys have fallen off the bandwagon for your New Year's resolution yet? Okay. All right. Just don't make them. It's a lot easier to not make a New Year's resolution because it's like, I'm just going to say, God, what do you want me to change this year? It, yes. It's easier to say, God, what do you want me to ch- change this year and have him work on you than say, you know what, I'm going to do it myself. Well, this year I'm going to stop doing this. If we are led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will show us what we need to do or not do in our lives. And he can help empower you to do that. But so many people, we, we well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stop doing this this year. I'm going to start doing this. And you know what? I, I was like, um, again, towards the end of the year, I'm like, I'm going to read this, this, and this every day. I've done it like five times, and I'm like, you know what? And God's just like that. You're just you're setting you're setting yourself up to fail because you can't live up to what you want to do. So He just kind of said, okay, pull back. And I've been reading a little bit of this and a little bit of that every day, just enough to get um, something that I can sustain on a daily basis. But God is in, is giving me more from those little readings than I'm getting from doing like these six or seven pages of reading because when we read. To discover who God is, we get more out of it. But when we read just to read, all we do is gain head knowledge, and it, and it doesn't really translate through into our lives a lot of times. All right, so. So I just want to kind of, we kind of, uh, last week kind of went over what we were, um, what our vision was for this year. Um, I want to kind of give you a recap. We never got to really do a recap of last year. Um, because we took New, Year, New Year's off, we always take that, that last week in um, January off, but um, I kind of want to give you a recap of what, what, we're, what we've been doing, but we do not change communities around us simply by asking them to come to church. We all know that. How many people have you, have you asked to church and they're like, yeah, I'm good. I just, <laughs> you, 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 we know it's true. Every one of us, oh, you should come to church with me. They're like, I'm okay. I'm okay. We change the areas of, of, that we live in by applying kingdom principles to that area of our lives. We, we take the, uh, the aspects of the kingdom that are in our lives and we apply them to the areas that we work, um, where we have influence, and, and things change. Um, we are past the days of just inviting someone to church. They're like, hey, you want to come to church with me? We can still do that, but it, there's, there's a different, uh, in our culture, there's a difference in that. We don't reach people the same way we did 20 years ago. So we have to change the areas we live in by applying the kingdom principles. So, like, a couple years ago, when we first started, we sent out crap loads of, of postcards. I'm like, why are we wasting the amount of postcards that we sent out? I remember the first postcard we sent out, I remember who came to church from that, and it was Nicole. That was the only person that came to, but we were thankful for that. But it was months later, but we, we, are, we have to change our tactics and how we apply the kingdom and how we reach out to people every, every day and every week. So, but one of the, the kingdom principles is generosity. Yeah. And um, if you don't like talking about generosity, then um, you'll get over it. But um, generosity is what, fuel, is what f- helps fuel the kingdom into, into where it should be. It begins to shape and transform cities and communities and, and our counties and states. We, we don't transform the areas around us in people's lives by being stingy. We don't transform people's lives by saying, you know what? Well, they're in need, but yeah, let them go to the food bank. 
Let them go to this. Let them go to this agency. Let them go to that. We, we transform the, the areas around us by being generous because God tells us to be generous. Generosity isn't something that is, um, is picked up. Some, generosity is something that is learned. Generosity has to be um, taught from an early age or it has to be learned through, through the Holy Spirit. So we have opportunities right now in our secular areas. We, as a church, we are like, okay, we come and we, we give and we're like, you know what, we want to we further the kingdom. But we have opportunities right now in secular areas that are coming to the church and saying, how do we do this? We've got organizations and people coming and saying, how do, I have, um, how do I have a better marriage? They're not asking us, how do I accept Jesus? They're, they're, they want to know, how do I raise better kids? How do I have a better marriage? How, how do I get peace in my life? They're not coming and going, how, how do I get to heaven? They're asking us life questions that then we can turn around and say, well, I know somebody who can give you life. Because what happens is, unless they were fulfilling a, a need in their life, they're, le- they're less likely to be open to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we can answer questions on finances, marriage, parenting, the questions that society le- that are, have left blank, you ever watch some of the, the parenting things that they talk about on TV? You know, you'll they have this like, quick interview with celebrities on how to have a good marriage. I'm like, you've been married four times and your kids are a, a hot mess. Why would I take yeah. marriage and parenting advice from celebrities and people who don't have kids? Well, I was watching this one uh, promo on uh, one of the local na- uh, shows and this guy was talking about parenting. He's a single man who's never had kids. And I'm like... <laughs> Lord knows you've never had a kid throw a temper tantrum on you when you're getting ready to go to church in the morning. Or, I don't want to get dressed this morning. Or, I, I, I'm sick and snotty when, I'm, uh, when we're getting ready to go to church or getting ready to go somewhere. I'm like, you cannot give wisdom where you've not experienced. So we're teaching people with these, these things that are coming into our church that are, are coming to the church and saying, how do we do this? We're able to teach them how to be good parents and amazing parents and how to take care of the town. I mean, the great thing about the church is when the church is, is not so focused on the inside of the church and on who is attending and who's um, uh, showing up in the seats, when we're focused on reaching out, the, the, the world will come to the church and say, hey, we see something different. How can, can you help us? So this last couple, uh, this last year, we've really stepped out and going into um, making sure that our community not only knows who we are, but knows that we actually care about the community. Um, We've had multiple times where we've been able to bless the school. We've been also able to um, uh, do some uh, maintenance, not, I shouldn't say maintenance, but um, outdoor landscaping work and different things like that to help make the school look good. Because our school and this area what is, what's the first thing you see when you roll into this town? Yeah, you see the school. The school is the biggest building in this area. Right. And so we've had the opportunity to help that out and to be able to make our, our town look better. But I see there's a lot of areas that we can even reach further. And when we teach people how to walk as a parent, how to walk as a and how to have a better marriage. It not, doesn't just affect their marriage, it affects every area in their life. If, it, if they can teach their children, if they can um, 
be a better parent to their children. It's going to teach their children how to be a better parent to their, their children. It's not a, just a one-time thing. It's a generational thing that we're, we're, we're helping expand into these people's homes and their minds. So we're taking care of how our town looks, how the community looks. We're able to bless the community. Um, if they're in need, we can, we can see that there's needs. We can take care of the needs that are in these areas, the widows, the orphans. Jesus said, take care of them. There's no other... If, if we have people who are in need, the church is and should be the only place that they, should go, they can go to or should go to to take care of it. We shouldn't have, have to have other agencies to take care of the people in need in our area. We should be able to say, you know what, the, church, the agency should come to the church and say, hey, we need funding for this. And the church should say, okay, yeah, send them our way. We'll take care of it. Yeah. We don't have to go to the culture and try to get our foot in the door and say, oh, well, we want to do this and we want to do this. We, wait, we can wait for them to come to us and say, you know what? We see something different. We see change in the people that you're dealing with. We don't have to go and say, hey, we want to take this and we want to do this and we want to tell people about Jesus. We can say, you know, they're going to come to us and say, the church is different. These people are different and they have successful marriages and they're, and they're good parents and, and, they're, and their finances are in order and everything about them, it, it, it screams success and these places and these people are going to come to us and say, why are you so successful? Why are you, you doing this? And why are you giving us these tips? Because Jesus said you're a city on a hill. If we're a city on a hill, that means everybody can see us. And if everybody can see us, that means they're going to come up to the hill and go, what is up there? Why is it there? What is going on there? So we don't have to, you know, you ever um, dealt with a salesman, like a door-to-door salesman, and you're, they knock on the door and you're like, oh my gosh. I don't want Cutco knives. I don't want free Ginsu knives. If you, I don't want a free shampoo of the carpet. I don't need, uh, a, a, and, and they, they kind of like lean into the door to get their shoulder in there. That's not how we operate as the church. We operate as the church because we, we just, we move in, in and out of, of culture. And they're like, man, this is, this is really cool. This is really unique. Why are they doing this? Because they're going to wonder why we actually care about the, our society. This is the way it should be. That we go out and live our lives that the world has to, it comes back to the church and goes, I don't know what they're doing, but it's really awesome there. People need Jesus. They just don't know it yet. And we have to get close enough to them so they can see Jesus. That's my wife. My wife gave me that last night. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing this up. She's like, that. I'm like, what do you think about that? She's like, this is what, she goes, this. I'm like, that oh, was good. I'm like, I'm going to, so that's why I bolded it to remind me. Uh, but so what we, what we did last year is this, is all of your tithing, all of your giving, all of the, the in, um, finances that came in, over, right around 60% of it went to missions, benevolence, community, and other ministries. The great thing is, is this, is God has blessed this church so much that we do not have rent. But what we do, in, because we do not have rent, we don't have to pay any fees, we bless the areas that if we don't have rent, that means that we have the ability to bless other areas, bless the school, bless these um, other agencies in this town, in this area, that we can say, you know what, we've been so blessed that we want to give it to you. So 60% of what you guys have given is going not to 
rent and paying the lights and, and all this other stuff. It is going to actually furthering the kingdom and creating a culture in our, in our town, in our area, but also missions. I mean, we're, we've got people in the Philippines, people in Kenya, um, um, Mexico, there we go, Mexico. We've got people that we're actually reaching and saying, you know what, hey, we see that God is working in your area. We want to fund that. We want to be partner with that and join with you. So when you tithe, you're not just saying, well, we're paying the light bill this week. A majority of what you get, or what you give, is going to these areas. It's going to take care of people in need. It's going to take care of the um, needs of missionaries if they need something, if they, if they, you know, or to just fund what they do. There's a word um, in the Bible, and it talks about it in Genesis. Um, the tithe, if you look at it in Genesis, it's um, Genesis 14. It's, a th- it's the, the um, it's first fruits. There's a word in the um, Hebrew, it's, it's bakirim, and it means a promise to come. Bakirim means a promise to come. It shares the same root word as bakor, which means firstborn. First fruit offering signal the beginning of your harvest. It's a promise, an abundant harvest. It establishes the law of first things first in your life. It establishes the promise of what to come and positions the believer to receive the promises from God. What, so first fruits isn't just whatever you gather from your fields. The root word of it means you're firstborn. That's why you see a lot of times in the, in the Old Testament when they excuse me, had a firstborn child, that child was given to the Lord. It wasn't just, oh, well, this is my first child. The first child had something special on them. It was a birthright. It was something, a lot, it was dedicated to the Lord. And that's why when we do child dedication, it's not just because of the, if it's your firstborn or second or whatever, we dedicate that child to the Lord because it is from our increase. So Genesis 14, if you guys turn there, you guys are probably already there. I got to get there. 14:17. And this is I'm going to I'm going to take you through new uh, Old Testament New Testament on this. It says after um, his return from the defeat of uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that guy's name, so we'll just move on from there. Um, this is talking about Abraham and the kings who were with him. The king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shiva, and the king it was just called the king's valley and Melchizedek King of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him. He said, blessed, Abraham, blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And it says right here, it says, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So, what we don't, a lot of people don't talk about is, says, uh, Abram, after his defeat, or after he defeated all these kings, he, he comes back victorious. He takes and he gives a tenth of everything to Melchizedek. And it talks about in the New Testament that Melchizedek was a high priest forever. So this is an early forerunner of, of what Jesus was. The, the Salem, if you know what that means, what does that mean? It means peace. Jesus was the prince of peace. So this is a, an early representation of Jesus as a high priest. And... So what we don't see is, is he gives a tenth of everything to Melchizedek. But what does it say after that? It says, Abram says, I was not supposed to take, I'm not going to take any spoils of this. 
He doesn't take anything. He gives uh, Melchizedek a tenth and then he leaves the rest because he knew what God told him was to leave what he had not to take anything with him. So he gives a tithe to Melchizedek and he says, you know what? This is for you. So the tithing, if you look at it, was not a anything that was set in the stone. You didn't have, there was no tithe back then, but, but Abram started out early and said, you know, I'm going to give of, of my increase to him. So this was before the law. This is before the children of Israel decided they needed a, a 600 plus rules to make their lives easier to live. It was before the law required it. It was a tenth. It was, a ten, it was 10% of what he gave. And then you look at, at the, the Old Testament and then, you know, the children of Israel, they leave Egypt, they're blessed. They, basically, the Egyptians were like, here, I'm going to swipe my credit card to you on the way out. Please leave. Here's my money. Here's my money. Here, they're just like opening up their wallets, giving them everything. Here's my gold. Here's my silver. The children of Israel went out with so much money. And the reason why is God wanted them to take that money out to start. Basically, they were funding a new nation. So the children of Israel are like, yep, we're going to worship God. God has given us everything. And then they decide that, you know, Moses is up taking his little visit with God up on the mountain. They're like, hey, I got a great idea. Let's take all this stuff that they've given us. Let's melt it down and let's make a cow. And let's worship this cow because, you know what, this is really, this is really the smartest thing to do. I mean, we really look back and it's like the stupidity of them when they really going from, hey, God has just taken us out of our captivity for the last 400 years, and then we like, hey, let's melt this down and make a cow and worship the cow. And we look at it and go, man, that's just dumb. But so after that, they said in the law, and the law was, if you don't tithe, you're cursed. And it's like, okay, then they, they had these rules and regulations that took what was supposed to be out of love and, and offering to God to, if you don't, there's the curse because they made up all these laws and they said, well, we need rules. We need, and God said, you know, I'm giving you 10 commandments. It's pretty easy with these. But then they're like, okay, well, I want to, I want to put a sub point one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred on 10, the first commandment. And then I want this one and this one. And it just created more and more religion and more rules for them to follow. Can you, can you imagine living that, you know, you go from, we give to God because we love him, and then all of a sudden the loss created, and a couple, you know, 10, 15 years later, it's like, okay, oh, oh, you don't, you don't give, you're cursed now. And, and what, I, what I really despise is that we still have a lot of that in our culture today, that if you don't give to this, and you don't give to this, you're, they'll go to Malachi, and, and if you don't give and you do this, he's not going to rebuke the devourer for you. Well, I believe that Malachi is in the Old Testament. It's really close to the New Testament, but it's not quite in the New Testament. Um, even though we like to, a lot of people like to do that. Um, and then Jesus came. We know that guy. He's uh, he, he, God's son. He comes. And, and Galatians 3.13 says this. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Yes. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is anyone who hangs on the tree. And that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay, just to let you all know, we're all Gentiles. So it's not the Jews that are released from the curse of the law. It is us also. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to repeat that. We are free from the curse of the law. When we don't tithe, we're not cursed. Yeah, right. uh, 
you know, contrary to a lot of uh, TV beliefs and um, of, of mail-in ministries, we are not cursed if we, don't, if we don't tithe. So we are no longer cursed. We have freedom to choose. Jesus said, I have come to bring life and life more abundantly. He goes, I come not to destroy the law or abolish the law, but I come to fulfill the law. So when he, he hung on that tree, he, he wasn't like, well, I'm going to take your sin, I'm going to take your sickness, but if you don't tithe, I'm not, I'm not going to take your cursing because I still want to keep that. Jesus came so that he was basically saying, I'm going to be cursed because if you didn't tithe, I'm going to hold that, I'm going to take that curse on my body and I'm going to take that for you. So we no longer have to deal with that. The great thing is, is we're now under the new covenant. We have a new covenant. We have Jesus Christ as our high priest. So we're now able to give out of a cheerful heart. And we're now able to give because we love God and we know what he's done in our lives and we see what his kingdom is doing. Tithing is just planting seed in God's field and then reaping a harvest of what has been planted. You know, we, we always, I, I love it when people are like, well, I just can't get, I, I, that's my money and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to it. I'm like, okay, so you trust God for your job, right? Yeah, I, I did. Okay. And um, you trusted God to make sure that you got a car that got you to do the job, right? Yeah, I did. Um, and um, he took care of that, right? Yep. Yep. He took care of that. Okay. Um, but... It's your money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's my money. <laughs> God got me the car. He got me the, the job. But it's my money. You're lucky God doesn't charge you rent. I'm just, I mean, but that mindset, think about that. I, I, God has blessed me with the vehicle. He's blessed me with the job. But it's mine. I'm going to hold on to it. That me- mentality says that, that it is a toddler. It's like a toddler learning to share. That was mine, mine. So, but tithing releases us. It it releases us to um, not only give back to God what he has blessed us with. So think about this. We plant, when we tithe, we're planting seed in God's field. And when the harvest comes, we get a harvest of that. Because what does it say? We're co-laborers. We're not, we're not out there like, okay, yeah, here's my seed. Bring it to me when I'm done. He says we, we're co-laborers with Christ. That means we're out in the fields. We're, we're working it, and we get a portion of it back when the harvest has come. I'm not saying we give. We don't give $5 to get $10. We don't do that. We don't give to get. We give because we love God. But does he bless us? Yes, absolutely. But we don't go, well, I hope I, you know, I'm going to give this. I'm going to write a little extra in there because I really need some extra on that. I, I'm, I had this one person tell me one time, well, I'm, I've been tithing extra because I really want God to bless me with a $1,000 shopping spree. I was like, okay. I'm like, okay. I was like, you need to dig a little hole because you're a little shallow. Um, you need to... But I was like, you, you, you need to start thinking about this as in, okay, God, I am not only giving to you. This is not about me getting what I want. It's about me giving to you because of what you've done for me. Yeah. If, it's, if it's all God's money, we're just giving back what, a, temp, a small portion of what is his. Yeah. We're not giving back, you know, oh, well, 
Yeah, I guess I'll give it back. Here you go. You know, when your kids ask you for money, you're like, on it. okay, here's five bucks, go. You know, it's like, uh, how many? My kids are like, hey, can I do this? I'm like, yeah, okay. Can I do this? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for it. My girls are like, dad, can I go do this? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, did you talk to your mom? I'm like, go talk to your mom first. <laughs> I'm like, I need to do this. I'm like, okay. I, it's hard for me to say no. But when we're giving to God, it's, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like, ah, oh, I got to tithe. They're going to pass that bucket every week and I got to give to it. I, if you don't, don't want to tithe, that's fine. If you don't want, if you're going to tithe, and go, oh, this sucks, then don't give. I don't, I, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. If you don't feel like you're ready to tithe, I don't care. And if you tithe and you're like, well, well I didn't really enjoy that. Don't tithe if you're not going to enjoy it. If you're not going to give with a cheerful heart, he wants a cheerful giver, then don't give. I don't, it does, it's not going to bother me. It's not going to bother God either. Because he's not going to be like, well, they didn't tie this week. Your blessing's revoked until next week, until you put something in the offering bucket. No, uh, you guys laugh at that, but that's, that's a mindset in a lot of people. That if I don't tithe, my, everything that God has for me is going to be pulled back and withheld from me. My peace, my joy, my protection, that is not true. God doesn't say, well, you know, you didn't give this week, so um, I'm going to wait till next week. If you didn't make up last week, then we're done. I'm not going to have that in my life. So we, that mindset is, is religion. It, it's, it's contrary. It's, it's, it's living under the law. But Malachi says, bring into the storehouse that there may be, that, excuse me, there may be food in my house and there, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, I will, that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down you on, for you blessing. So, okay, so God says, bring it into the storehouse and watch me pour a blessing onto your life. I can say, you know, since Sarah and I, we were tithing before we even were married. We were dating, going to church, and we were tithing. We just knew that's, that's what we do. We knew that when we, we understood the principles of what it was, and we saw God's provision every time. Even when, like, there was a couple times when we were like, I don't know, early 20s, like 22, 23, and we're like, yeah, um, what's the propane tank on? It's like on five. And we're like, okay, yeah, I think that'll last us a couple, another week or two. And we're just like, it was bad. I mean, and, and we're like, okay, we don't, you know, I'm in school and working part-time. She's pregnant. And we're like, oh, this is, it was just, it was a hot mess. And, and we'd be like, we'd walk up to the mailbox or drive to the mailbox and there would just be this envelope with a name on it sent from somewhere we don't know who it was and God just like three somebody just sent us three hundred dollars it's like oh my gosh that's that's what we need to pay our heat bill or 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 whatever and it's like but we knew that even when we were we were struggling and we didn't have a lot God was always faithful in taking care of us because we knew man this is not about me it's not about I'm not saying that we couldn't feed ourselves I'm saying that we knew that when we tithe, it was like, okay, I could take that 10% and pay a little bit extra here. But I knew that when I gave, God was going to provide even more than I can imagine. Because it's not about what we're looking at in our hand. God, it's not about the $10 or, or 10 cents or whatever. It's not about that. It's about that we trust him to do what he says he's going to do. So we need to rely on God as our provider. 
You know, if I look and say I could rely on my, in the last two years I could say I could really rely upon my, if I really wanted to, I could say, oh, I'm going to rely on my job. And that would have fallen flat. flat. <laughs> and, yeah, no. I don't rely upon my job for my, for my provision and for money. Because if you know anything about us in the last two years, it's been wow. <laughs> That's all I got to say. It's been wow. But you know what? The great thing is, is this. We've just been, yeah, we've just tithed. And we said, you know what? There's been times where something comes up where we're just like, Oh, that's bad, but that's just funny. It's just, it, it's, it's not good right now, but we're just going to laugh about it because if I don't start laughing about this, amen, I'm going to cry. But you know what? We realized that, you know what? This is just funny. We're like, like, it was a couple months ago. We're like, oh, this is just hilarious because God's going to have to take care of this because, you know, right now we can't. And, but he is our supplier in, in the, um, Genesis 22, Abraham takes his son Isaac up to the mountain. God says, hey, oh, by the way, you're going to be the father of many nations. Now I want you to go kill your son, offer him as a sacrifice. And um, can you imagine that conversation? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, can, you, can you imagine that, though? Abraham's like, oh, I've got my son. And God's like, oh, by the way, I need you to offer him as a sacrifice. He's like, who's behind that tent curtain speaking to me? That's not funny. And think about it, though. I mean, that, that, that goes against everything that God told him. God said, oh, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But he's like, oh, by the way, I want you to sacrifice your son. And he's like, well, wait, wait, you told me this, and now you want me to do this. How am I going to carry on a lineage? I've been 90 years old when you, you said I'm going to have a son. I have a son, and now you want me to kill him. Like, I'm too old to to get, go up that mountain and kill my son and I have to come back down. I'm 100 years old. I don't want to go up there. So God is telling him, is telling him things contrary to what... Abraham thinks that they're contrary to what he's been told. But he says, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do it. And he goes up there and he's ready to offer his son and the angel of the Lord says, stop. He says, stop. So, and then he sees that there's a ram caught in the thicket. So, it's on Mount Moriah. And Abraham takes his son, goes back. They offer the, the ram. They take his son, and he goes back down. And he calls that place Jehovah-Jireh. And that name means the Lord will provide. And... and so many times we, we feel like, God, you told me this, and then we're, you're asking me to give up this. And it's like, God's like, no, no, I'm not asking you to, to give that up. I'm asking you to trust me that I will provide. Yeah. And there's so many times in, in life where it's like, even during that situation, it's like, you told me you provide, God, but I'm kind of wondering right now. And I've got to reactivate my faith, and it's like, okay, God, you, you said you're going to provide. You're going to take care of what you said you're going to take care of. And faith is simply believing that he will do what he's promised he said he will do. That's, that's, if you, if you want to simplify faith down, it's, it's believing that God will do what he said he will, he will do. You know, this year, I believe all of us as a group, every one of us need to grow in our knowledge of who God is, but we need to let that transfer to here. It can't just be here. Well, you can quote every uh, Hebrew name of, of what, who God is in 
the Bible. I, I know people that can quote that. But you know what? That's great. If you can quote every name, perfect. But what does it translate here? How does it translate to your life? Can you, you say, okay, Jehovah Jireh, yeah, he's my provider. But are you leaning into him as Jehovah Jireh? Or are you just saying, oh yeah, he's Jehovah Jireh? God says, if, you're, if you want to call me that name, then you've got to believe I'm that name. You know, he's looking for you to, in a, in a mindset of, of a father, go up to him, sit on his lap. As, when my kids used to go, Dad. I know my kids, when they need something, they always come up in a really sweet tone, sit on my lap and like put their arm around me. So, Dad. I'm like, okay. It's not so much this one. It's, it's, the, it's the other one that's uh, very business-oriented. Um, but she comes and she would sit on my lap and go, Dad, can I have this? Can we do this? And, and we have to come up to God like that and, and come up to him as Jehovah Jireh and just sit, and sit on a, and next to him, lean into him and go, hey, I really need this. Yeah. And, and come to him that way instead of like, oh, well, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's just going to provide. I'm just going to wait around for him to provide. We cannot be inactive in our relationship of faith with God. Our faith has to be activated by going to God and not just saying, oh, well, he says he's this. I'm just going to wait for him to do it. You, you, you go to God and you say, hey, I need you, I, I need this from you. Father, I need this from you. Can, you. can you take care of this for me? We need to pursue God's best in our lives and not settle for what is left over. We, we have to have a, a, a greater vision of where we want to go in our lives than just, well, it, if it happens, it happens. No, we need to look at and say, you know what? You are Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to go, I'm going to lean into you. As a child would lean into a father and just put my arm around him. You know, I remember when my kids were, were really short, they would just come up and put their head on my hip and kind of put their arm around my waist and be like, hey, Dad. I'm like, what you need? And, and now they're old enough where they can put their arm on my shoulder and be like, hey, can I get something from you? But we have to relate to him that way. We have to relate to God as our father in a way that we can crawl up next to him and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And he, you're, you know, one of your names is Jehovah Jireh, and I'm going to lean into you and I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of what you're doing. But we have, to, we, have to, we have to be proactive in that. We just can't go, well, it says in the book he's Jehovah Jireh, and I'm just going to say, yep, he's going to pride. And, and leave it at one time. Prayer, when we pray, it's not something, hey, um, God knows everything we need before we need it. He knows what we're going to need 10 years before we need it. But he wants us to come to him as a father and say, hey, dad, daddy, can I have this? He wants us to come and say, you know, you, your name is Jehovah Jireh. I believe that. I believe that you're going to take care of me. I, I feel like sometimes it's hard to relate to God as a father, especially if we've had broken relationships. A lot of people, um, if you've never had a good relationship with a father or um, a man in your life, it's hard for even men or women to come up to, uh, to relate and see God as a good father. Um, See, I, I, got, I was blessed as a kid. My dad was a, a very, is a very tender man. He's one of the most giving people. Even when he's, um, you know, half broke or, you know, whatever, he's, he's struggling. Um, you know, he, uh, he does um, uh, apartment, main, uh, apartment complex maintenance and re, in, um, he, cleans, he cleans them out. He does big apartment complexes. And he goes through a slow period in the winter because nobody wants to move in the winter. And he calls me up. He's like, hey, do you guys need anything? I'm like, dad. I'm like, we're okay. It, it's okay. But that's how the father relates to us. He's thinking, what do, he, goes, he knows what they need. And we just need to go to him and say, hey, I need this. But my dad taught, I could go to my dad when I was a little kid 
and say, hey, Dad, I need this. And, he, and he, his reply, even when it was a correction, was tender. And, and so many people, we, we think, oh, I'm going to go to God, but we're so afraid of him having a gruff voice and saying, oh, shut up, I don't, I don't want to hear your, your problems right now. I don't need, your, your money problems can wait, or your, your, your problems can wait. We need to go up to him and realize he is gentle, he is kind, and he says, I want to help you. I want to, but you have to be, you have to be part of this. You, ha- you have to be part of the, the family. You have to be an active part of the family for this to, to, to work. You can't just say, hey, you can take care of that for me? There's times after I'm done praying, and it's like, I know you got this. I know you've got this. A- after talking to God, I'm like, I know you've got this. You're going to take care of this. He will meet your needs even when it looks like defeat. Sometimes, I know for us, last year was a tough year. There was a lot of areas where it was like, man, I don't know what the heck was going on. It's like, God, it was hard for me. It was hard for my, my family. Um, but I knew God had it. And even when it looked like defeat, he took care of it. Sometimes when it's like, man, I, I don't know if they're going to come in and tow my house away. If I don't, you know, it, but it, God's like, I got this. I'll take care of this. There's times where it was like Sarah and I were looking at our, our bills and we're like, yeah, um, should we pay this one or which one should we pay? Let's, just, let's, let's pay this one because this is a little more important. We need our lights, you know. And it was tough, but, you know, we knew that even when it looked like all hell broke loose on our, our family and our lives, God was there. And it was tough, and there was, there was times where it was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I know you're going to provide for us, but I would like it now. <laughs> I would like it now. Could you just, like, take care of it right now and not have me, not have to, not have to, uh, really struggle or um, have a lot of faith in this. I just want a little quick faith and you take care of it so I don't have to, I don't have to uh, really exercise my faith to believe in that. But God will meet your needs even when it looks like defeat. What's great is, is this. David is going through some things and in Psalm 23, he writes, he goes, you spread out a table before me. You put provisions in the midst of an attack from my enemy. You care for all my needs you anoint my head with soothing, fragrant oil, and you fill my cup again and again and again daily. Okay, that's the voice. Most of you guys know it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. God's saying, I'm never going to let your cup run dry. You may, you may not be at that level of where you want it to be. You know, we all have that bank account. We're like, I've got to keep this bank account at this level, and I've got to keep it at this level. And when it goes below that level, you're like, what in the heck happened? I've got you know, to refill this. Our cup is never going to be exactly where we want it. And if it is, it probably won't be there next week. But God says, I'm never going to let it go empty. He's like, okay, your grace is going to run over for that situation. I'm never going to let you be destroyed. But your grace, I'm going to keep pouring more grace and more grace on you till it overflows your life. This last year for us was God's grace pouring over us because we needed it. The cup wasn't where we wanted it to be, but His grace was where it was to keep us sustained. And there's so many times where... And I want you to know, this is not about tithing. This is about who God is. I don't want you to think this whole message is on tithing because it's not. I wanted you to know what our, your tithing does and what it can do in your life. But I want, this is about who God is and what he will do for you. 
whether you tithe or not. Because you are redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus said, I'm going to take this for you. He took that cup and took it and said, you know, I'm going to take this for you so you don't. God is your provider. He will take care of your needs. But it doesn't matter if, if you tithe or don't tithe. That's fine. You'll get there eventually. God will work on you. But what he's saying is you have to, you have to understand who he is. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Father. He is the one who takes care of you. It's not about, well, if I don't give, he's not going to take care of me. No. If you don't know him as Father, how, are you going to get, how is he going to take care of you? You need to know who he is and understand who he, what his heart is for you. It says he closed the, closed the, um, uh, the flowers of the field and he takes care of the, the birds and they don't even want for anything, but he takes care of them. So how much more is he going to take care of you? 1 John 5.14, this is, um, I love this scripture, and it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. It doesn't say this is the hope that we have. Well, I hope it's going to happen. It says this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we, we ask, we know that we, the request that we have asked, he, we will receive from him. It's, it's not about what you're giving. It's about your relationship with him. You know, I, I, when I was putting this together, and I'm like, I want to talk about the tithe and what, what it does and, and, and understanding that, but I didn't want that to be my focus. I want, I want this focus for you guys to, to understand him more. It's not about coercing money out of people. It's about me explaining and, and helping you understand who God is in a greater way. Because all that matters at the end of the day is when you come out of here, do you understand God better than you did before? Do you have a closer relationship with him than you did before? He will provide all of your riches according to Oh, excuse me, he will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We should have confidence in who he is. My kids have confidence that I'm going to provide food for them. They eat a lot of food. Two teenage girls, my gosh. They go through food, like, especially the oldest one. She exercises so much, she's just like, I need more food, I'm going to exercise some more. But, I never thought teenage girls could eat so much. And then we had like five of them over one night and, and they ate more food than like 10 grown men would. And, I, and I'm like, where do they put it all away? I'm like, I'm like, we should have bought a grocery cart more of food. But my kids don't say, well, I hope I'm going to have food in the house. Oh, trust me, they, we, they let us know when there's not food, enough food in the house. Hey, there's not enough food that we can quickly make and throw in the microwave. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll go get you more pizza rolls. <laughs> but, God, but God wants us to come to him and say, you know, I have confidence to say, hey, when you ask, you're going to receive. God, I'm struggling with this right now. I need this. We're going through an area in our life that we need this. And have confidence that he, when you go to him, have confidence, but then have confidence in him as a father that he's going to take care of it. My kids know I'm going to go to the grocery store and pick up food for them when they need it. They also know that when they go to the grocery store with me, I'm going to give them an overabundance of food. 
And that's how God works. He gives us over what we can ask or think. When, when we come to him, he's like, well, I'm not going to give you just enough to do that. Like Sarah, last year she prayed, God, give us 30 days. At least 30 days. He gave us 31. He doesn't just give you, well, I'm going to give you 29.99. He goes, I'm going to give you, okay, you want 30 days? I'm going to give you 31 days. Because what that is, is that, 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 that 31st day is a day to rejoice in what he's given you in that 30. So when you're going through that trial and it's like, God, where are you at? He's like, I'm showing up, but it's, it, it's in my timing. Have confidence that when he shows up, or have confidence in him that he will show up, and then when he does show up, rejoice in that he shows up. Let's pray.